Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The subject of Paul's second epistle to the Thessalonians was encouragement and correction concerning the holy life for the church life. Verses 3 through 5 of chapter 1 say, We ought to thank God always concerning you, brothers, even as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of each one of you all to one another is increasing, so that we ourselves boast in you among the churches of God concerning your endurance and faith in all your persecutions and the afflictions which you bear, a plain indication of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which also you suffer." This is Matt Miller filling in for Chris Wilde, and Francis Ball has joined me today for our first program from Second Thessalonians. Francis, welcome. Thank you very much, Matt. I'm happy to be on this program because this is a marvelous message in this whole book. I think you get the good portion today because the first message is strictly on the encouragement. I'm happy to get this, this twofold message. So uh, we'll touch the correction a little bit tomorrow with uh, Bob Danker, but... Can you give a quick introduction of this first chapter so the radio listeners can get a peek into our message for today? Well, getting into this book again, uh, Matt, is really a strong encouragement to me. And the fact that this first chapter in the book is really about encouraging these new believers there in the church in Thessalonica. We have to realize that this book is addressed by three apostles, Apostle uh, Paul, with Timothy and with Silvanus. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy are the ones who are sending this letter of encouragement to the church in Thessalonica, which is a young church that was brought into the the Lord's move as the church when they went there the first time. And this is only a few months later that they're writing again to them with some more encouragement, particularly the encouragement about their faith. They were growing in faith and about their love, which was the love that they witnessed one toward the other, and then their endurance of their hope, which was something that was keeping them steadfast, even in the midst of persecution. And so we'll see something when we get into this book, how the persecution comes to those that are in Christ and are in the church. And this is addressed to the church because it's addressed to all the Christians that are in this city of Thessalonica, and uh, they are the ones who are really with God's, the Father's life and nature, and they are organically united to the Lord Jesus Christ. So with all that he is and all that he's done, so they have a lot to be encouraged about, and the apostles are really 
uh, wise and caring and uh, gentle toward them by encouraging them very much here before they say anything about any kind of correction. Well, thanks, Francis. Let's go down to the Life Study message number one of Second Thessalonians. We're going to pick up with Witness Lee right as he starts from verse 5 in chapter 1, and he's focusing on the goal of the Christian life being the kingdom of God. Verse 5, a plain indication of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be accounted worthy of the kingdom. In the first book, he says, God has called us into his kingdom and glory. So, the uh, kingdom is the goal of the Christian life. The New Testament has three main choices. Firstly, the cross, then the church, and then the kingdom. The cross produces the church, and the church ushers in the kingdom. Now, we are living the church life, right? With the goal to enter into the kingdom. Sorry to say, such a goal has altogether been missed among today's Christians. You check with today's Christians, what is the goal of your Christian life? What they would say, (laughs) going to heaven. That is not the goal of the church life. The church life ushers people not into heaven, but into the kingdom. Actually, the New Testament considers the church the kingdom. For instance, in Romans fourteen seventeen, it says, The kingdom of God is not of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit. The church life, in the eyes of Paul, is the kingdom. Of course, it is not the kingdom in full. It is the kingdom under development. But, my goodness, we have been uh, delayed, we have been drugged, we have been spoiled, even we have been made so dumb, so dull, in understanding the proper revelation of the New Testament, just like Paul says, when the Israelites today read the Old Testament, still the veil is on their face. No, our goal is not to go to heaven. God's goal is that we live a church life into the kingdom. Francis, the three main stresses in the New Testament are the cross, the church, and the kingdom. The cross produces the church, and the church ushers in the kingdom. And I think the goal of the kingdom has been missed today, just like Witness Lee told us just now. Oh, it definitely has been missed. So many Christians have their goal as going to heaven. The Bible doesn't have any such thing in its teaching that the goal of our life is to go to heaven. The goal of the Christian life is to be in the kingdom, is to live the kingdom life. So we have God's nature put into us by our new birth. That's really the seed of the kingdom. And the Lord Jesus said, except a man is born anew or born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
The reason he said that was because the kingdom is the seed that's planted in us when we receive Christ as our Savior. And that kingdom seed is to be growing in us to really live the kingdom life in the church life. This age is really for living the kingdom life in the church life to bring in the kingdom. As he said, of course, not in its full manifestation, but in its reality, we are living a God-man life made up of both human and divine natures and one person. We are living a kingdom life which will bring in, ultimately, the kingdom of God in its full sense. It's really a, a strong word there that the Christian life today is not waiting for heaven to come, but the Christian life today, the whole purpose of our Christian life is for the kingdom to come. And not the kingdom just to come in its manifestation in the future, but that it would come in our life today. The kingdom is in reality today. The church life in reality is today. I was going to read the verse that Witness Lee referred to there. It was Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we who are in the church today should be living righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is a characteristic of the kingdom. I think all Christians realize that when the kingdom is here, righteousness has, is manifested. So we can say that if we're living the church life, we're really living a righteous life because we are organically united with Jesus Christ. And that life lived in us and through us is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, even today. Those are great words, aren't they? Yes, they are. When you're right with God and you're right with man, you're peaceful. That's right. And when you're peaceful, you're full of joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I hope the people listening right now could enter into the kingdom. Just by hearing this word, it would bring them more into the reality and the goal of the Christian life, which is the kingdom of God. That's right. That's a view that not too many Christians have of the church life, that it's the living out of a righteous life. Well, Francis, uh, let's go on to the next section here with Witness Lee. It's verse 8 in chapter 1. It's actually a pretty strong gospel message of God's vengeance to anyone who does not know God and those who do not obey the gospel. Let's go there now. Dealing out vengeance to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This sentence covers two conditions and two states. Dealing out vengeance to those who do not know God. And to those, these are two peoples. One people who do not know God. Another people who do not obey the gospel of God. You may say, you never heard the gospel. How could you obey so you just get yourself excused. But you cannot excuse yourself for not knowing God. You may say, well, the gospel never preached to me. I was born in an age there was no gospel preached to us. I was born in a certain country. I never heard the gospel. You could say this. And you could take this as an excuse. But you cannot say there was no way for you to know God. You still can know God. The Bible says, from the creation, God is made known. 
And not only so, even you yourself with your conscience has made God known. Man can know God by the creation. And man can know God by himself with his conscience. Actually, man must know God by the creation. Man must know God by his conscience. Your conscience tells you that there is God. You cannot say there's no way for you to know God. As long as you don't know God, you will suffer the punishment. Or, you have heard the gospel, yet you do not obey, you do not accept it, then you will be punished. These people shall pay the penalty of eternal destruction. This is perdition, eternal perdition. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of uh, His strength. Francis, these are strong verses, and you hear people make the excuse many times that someone grew up in a certain country, they didn't know God, uh, That how could they go to hell, or how could God have vengeance against them? Well, here's a very strong verse, actually two verses, and I'm going to read them again and then let you comment about them. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Rendering vengeance to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his strength. That combined with uh, Romans chapter 1 is a very strong gospel message, isn't it, Francis? Yes, that's a very strong point because God's whole creation declares that there is God, and the conscience in the human being declares there is God. People have been known to be in the most remote parts of the world, and when they're contacted by a missionary or someone who's gone there with the gospel in a more full way, they have had to admit all the time that they knew there was a God. Because creation tells you there is a God. All of creation just says that, and the human conscience says there is God. And even a book in the Old Testament says God put eternity in man's heart. That means there is a sense that there is an eternal being, God himself. So we cannot say we did not know God. No one can use that for an excuse. Well, this is uh, pretty severe, though, isn't it, Francis? That God says in this verse, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Quite a strong word, isn't it? Yes, that is a strong word, but this is from God, that he will cause those who do not know him, they were willfully ignorant of him because they would not search out the knowing of God. Some have even cried out in the midst of nature itself, just say, Oh, God, meaning that they realize there is a creator behind this great creation. And this is knowing God and to that extent. But to know him in a way of a savior, a life, that takes revelation from the Bible. And the ones that won't obey that inner sense, as Romans 1 says, they will be without excuse. That's right. There is no excuse for those who do not acknowledge that there is God. Well, Francis, let's go to our final section today. I think this is probably the most special portion of our whole life study today. I really enjoyed it. It's from verse 10. I want to read that verse. This will be the conclusion of our life study. The verse 10 says, When he comes to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at, in all those who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. 
in that day. Let's go there for our conclusion right now. Whenever he comes to be glorified in his saints. This is a very special expression. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Today, Christ is in us. He is in us. And this indwelling Christ is the coming glory. When Christ comes, on the one hand, he comes from the heavens. On the other hand, you know what? He comes from within us. He comes out. The coming of the Lord is, number one, from the heavens to the earth. Number two, from within us to our outside. This is uh, to be glorified in us. He as the glory today is right within us. Such Christ of glory is within us. But it's concealed. You see, it's not manifest. And he's coming back, the Christ of glory within us will be glorified. Will come out of us. Will be made manifest from within us. So, his coming is a marvel thing. No wonder here it says, whenever he comes to be glorified in his saints, and to be marveled at. Christ will be marveled at in all those who have believed. But that time, your in-laws, your neighbors, your relatives, will say, my, what is this? What is that? That is Christ glorified. One day will be like this. They will marvel at us. Someone of glory will come out from within us. Someone of glory will be made manifest from within us. This hidden Christ will be made manifest. And that manifestation is just the glorification of Christ in you and me. But that time when Christ comes out from us, all the unbelievers will marvel at they would say, what is this? And where to say, this is the gospel we preach to you. You wouldn't believe. Francis, to be glorified doesn't mean to go to heaven, does it? No, not at all. There's no such thing in the Bible. You know, we heard earlier that the goal of our Christian life isn't heaven, but the kingdom. And now we read that Christ will be glorified in the saints to be marveled at in them. What a spectacular picture. Amen. I'd like to just talk about this and muse upon it for the last few minutes that we have in our program. I think this is a foreign thought to a lot of our listeners, that Christ will actually be glorified in the saints. I mean, we, we think of one aspect of Christ's coming, and there is this aspect and where he will come on a cloud like lightning, and from the east to west, everyone will see him. There will be a, an outward manifestation of Christ's coming. That's the glory from without. But there is a glory from within that we're called to. We are really those who have been called unto glory. And the glory here is not, I am going on to glory as the Lord has taught. No, he didn't teach that. 
We're going to be glorified because we're united organically with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And now he is veiled in us. People cannot see him in us so clearly, although we see Christ in one another in a kind of a glory. But that time, even the unbelievers will see Christ being glorified in us and out from us so that he will be manifested in his glory. This glory will be a shock to all the unbelievers. And many of the Christians will be shocked, too, that Christ now is shining out from these believers. And as Brother Lee said, they will see Christ being glorified in us, and they'll say, what is this? Something happening here that they never dreamed. There's a glory to be shined out from us that really is the glory to which we are called. Reminds me of Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, which says, uh, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So on the one hand, people see us and they just see an earthen vessel. But there's something going on inside that That's earthen right. vessel. He's veiled now, but the veil is taken away. Now, also he says, When he shall be glorified, we shall be glorified with him. That doesn't mean beside him. He's on one side, we're on the other. No, we will be glorified with him. Our glory will be the glory of the Son of God coming out of us, shining out of us. This is really an encouragement. We said earlier that the subject is the encouragement and correction to live a holy life for the church life. And this is an encouragement. On the one hand, you have the non-believers suffering an eternal punishment. And then right next to that, you have the believers who have been, in a sense, they've been hidden during this whole age. Before Christ comes back, their real situation is hidden. But when Christ comes, he will be marveled at in them. Marveled at in all those who have believed. Mm -hmm. And also reminds me of 1 John chapter 3, where it says, When he is manifested, that is Christ, We shall be manifested with him, because we will see him as he is. We will be like him, because we will see him as he is. We will be manifested because he is manifested. So both there and in uh, Colossians, you have the same promise, that he is glorified, we are glorified with him. He is glorified in us and through us. Well, Francis, I feel like we've just barely touched the tip of this iceberg, and The time's running out, so we can't develop it too much, but I hope the listeners could get the printed copy of this message. This would be a good one to get into, because I think this is a new thought that deserves more digging and seeking. Uh, The number, if you'd like to do that, is 888-543-3788. That's 888-LIFE-STUDY. And if you want to write to us, you can write to Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, or send an email to radio at lsm.org. I would certainly encourage everyone who can to write in for the printed copy of this epistle. This is most encouraging and certainly uplifting to see what God is really doing with his believers today. Well, Francis, thanks for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. I look forward to coming back. And thank you for joining us, and uh, we've, we've run out of time, so stay tuned for tomorrow for the second program from the Life Study of Second Thessalonians.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.